Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, you could be seated. Let me just say a couple things here. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank all the preachers for being here and coming to hear me. And it's just an honor. I'm humbled by that. And, and, and there's the flocks over here now. Come on, somebody. I wanted to mention to you my book on angels out there. I don't know how many sold or how many they have left, but if you don't have it, you should buy it. And if you have it, you should read it again. You know, you don't get everything the first time. You know, I'm not sure Jesus did either because it says he grew in wisdom. And if he was already perfected, he wouldn't need to grow in it. Okay, just thought I'd remind you of a scripture. But I'm going to talk about angels tonight because I talked about the other world last night in the discerning of spirits. And I hope you got something last night. I did. I got something by being here last night. We thank you There's for the an anointing in here. Tonight, There's an anointing tonight, but the angels are here with us to minister tonight, in a certain way. We'll we thank you for the cover that at the end. And I may pray tonight, for all the preachers tonight, too, but that may be it. Today, uh, but I encourage you to get this praise, book. And I want to read something in. that I we enter wrote in here that I think is important We enter for the refreshing tonight, Father God. We enter in these last days, things are changing quickly. God is elevating you have to his want church, it tonight, his ministers, amen. and people have to, want it. to a place we've never known before. I want to encourage you to be bold it's today, amen. Signs, wonders, healings, take a hold of something. There's something that's being offered for you Both today. I want you to take a hold to it tonight, amen. You got to be bold tonight. You got some grit about you tonight, angels. some tenacity Jesus about you tonight. Praise God. And value their help. We worship you tonight for what you have in store, Father God. We receive what you have in store. We have a hunger about us tonight, Father. We have an expectation about us tonight. And we received all that you have tonight. I had a little moment in the office there a to go talking about my Praise wife. God. So I'll be all There's right. Something I, I, these meetings I'm have been awesome this. and refreshing these last couple of nights, but I just have a feeling about how so, much more, amen? How much to you more? Tonight. And, you know, That's I wanted to say to everybody, too, you know, I've been teaching tonight. you about God. the gifts of the Spirit, but there's Praise so much God. to teach tonight. Had to let it go because it couldn't possibly teach you everything else that we even know. I don't know everything in two nights but I was laying on the bed today trying to rest I didn't do too good at resting but I laid there and listened to the father he started speaking to me and he said he wanted me to talk about angels tonight and tomorrow night but he said I want you to break it down in the visions you've had and don't try to do the whole thing in one lump sum so we're going to take just four of the visions when we get to that tonight let's go to Hebrews first of all well Hebrews praise the Lord one. saints Miss Gina, what's that temperature back so, on the thermostat? There's just so much to learn. Huh? There's 300 passages in the it's Bible. It's 76. It's not 86. At least 300, maybe more. Some of y'all fan it like it's 86. Depending on the names you put with them, the host. And I want to help you because the truth like will set you free. Come and on, I want to read this and then I want to read Praise some things I wrote Praise the Lord. Down. It's not 86 uh, some other in here. Too. You just fired up in for Jesus. Hebrews 1.14, it says here, are you they got a not flame all on the inside of you. Praise God. You got to count them BTUs too. 
Before you, before you blame it on the atmosphere, you got to count them, too. Come on, now. you got to fire God in you. Amen. He said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, now. you got to be a take a look here. Come on, now. you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. You're Come not on, a sub-air, you're a joint-air with Amen. Jesus. You well, need to learn to identify with God. that. We do have the fan what he is, and that's you, as much too. As, you want. as he is, so Praise are we God. in I'm this thinking world. about Dr. Right Jacob. He said he went down to Cuba. Okay. I'll never forget so the Cuban story. As long as I live. See, y'all didn't even dress like Cubans because they don't wear suits and ties and all of that because they plan on throwing down for Jesus. Amen. Every time they come, they don't have air conditioning and all that stuff and carpet. Dr. Jacob said he had a tin roof. Is that right? A tin roof and the sun would beat down on the tin roof and the climate they live in is hot all the time. And he talked about you know, you got to get over yourself thinking that people are going to think that's all you know about. Hold on railing, but have baby in purse in one hand, just uh, going to Jesus. And no, it's going to be hot anybody. when they get there. And I'm not running Some of y'all might got a surprise. Either. You didn't know it, praise God. But anyway. But I do know something keep, about just, this realm just be thankful you ain't in Cuba right now. I've had a lot of but anyway, they were holding on to the rail. And then he said, the woman that got those things in a minute. So Mike, we're talking about you, a benefit that's Mike, available too, to you currently Matter right fact, you now in the, the planet. Praise God. <laughs> all the angels don't <laughs> anyway, live in heaven. I haven't got time to go they, take it all those scriptures. They were in Cuba and, but let's go back for uh, a and minute he said to when Psalm the place started, it was one lady that got his attention. And recently I told the church. She began to praise uh, God. Church on the Rock. I think it was the night we had passion. prayer recently she began to praise him in and i said you need to study psalm 91 i mean it's an old testament passage but there's so much yeah. revelation in, in it a big about True story. divine protection praise about God. the big angels sweat. and i want to read Amen. a few verses to you you know jesus looks at the whole body of christ he just don't he, he just don't have you know blinders on he's just looking he at the american church he's looking at the church that don't have everything you have don't have the clothes you have don't have the transportation you have don't have the building and carpet you have. Come on now. Sometimes we forget, but we got to think about. We got to think place. about the praise that's Not going just up him everywhere. That Amen. We got to think about the thankfulness that's Even going up everywhere. Amen. Somebody but he that don't dwelleth have in as the much place, as I so you need have. to work. I Amen. need to work on it. We it's all need to work on dwelling with God being close it's to him and having an ongoing relationship. Amen. Well, just like today, uh, you know, I, I got up this morning and I thought I was going to go a different direction tonight on the gifts of the Spirit. Tell you some basic things that I'd learned about how you develop the gifts. And I thought I was on track, but as the day wore on, I knew it was like taking a shower with your socks on. You know, something's not right. So when I laid down, I felt like God was going to talk to me. I said, please talk to me about this. You, you got and he to said, well, I want you to talk about angels again. That time, but I want you to divide it up Thank in two Jesus segments instead of trying to cover now. it all. That now, I would have covered on visions. And then verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, he's my God, and in him will I trust. Notice you're going to have to speak. I think I used that verse maybe Sunday morning out of Job 32.20. I will speak that I may be refreshed. You know, I could say that over you, but if you say it, that's what really counts. All right. So let's go up here now to verse uh, 10, 10.11, maybe 12.2. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague or sickness disease 
COVID included, come nigh your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Does anybody have an Amplified Bible close? You bring it to me or have done okay. Let me just read a verse. I'll give it back to you. Maybe. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, here it is. I was doing some study on this recently, and I'm not ready to tell you everything, but in verse 11 in the Amplified, I want you to listen to this. For he will give his angels a special charge over you. See, God knows all of us are not clones. You know, we're not clones. You know what I mean by that? All the preachers, we're not identical. I'm not Dr. Cody. He's not Pastor Luke. You know what I'm saying. And But here it says, He will give His angels a special charge over you. And this is what I began to see. And I did some study on it, but I'm not ready to teach it. But I want you to listen to this. To accompany you. So if you get a little you got somebody tonight, with you all the time. I've been saying this for almost 40 years. Tonight, you got the best secret service there is. Irish spring they're accompanying us else. and they're defending us and preserving you, you in all your ways. Now here's the key of obedience and service. So that would say to me, you know, I have to be obedient. If I'm not obedient to God, then that X's that out. And sometimes God's mercy will carry us a long way, too. You know what I'm saying. He'll cover us, but, he, you know, you have to realize that we need to be obedient to what God's telling you. And service. You know, God never created us just to come to church. Thank you. Just to come to church and just, you know, that's it. No, we're serving God in some capacity. We should serve God in the ministry of helps, all of us. Have you been blessed through these meetings? Okay. Dad, thank you for coming. So we're sharing that with you just to get started. I wanted to make a comment, though. We're talking about supernatural things tonight, not spooky natural. And I don't know why, you know, sometimes people get off on that. Uh, it's not always what did, and this is what, I wrote this down because a lot of people ask me this question, and of course they're asking the wrong question, what did the angel look like? Why does that matter to you? If he had four heads, what would that? Thank you for coming. I'm just, I'm asking a legitimate question to you. That's the wrong question to ask me. You should have asked me, what did he say? Okay. And I've seen different angels. They look different. They're all cloned out either. I'm not a woo-woo person. Like, woo You know, I've seen people like that. They just they get off on being weird. I'm doing my best to be a word person. I really do. And I don't interpret people's dreams and weird imaginations that some people have in their head. Some people come and tell me something that's just off the wall as you could be. Wants me to interpret it. I said, I have no idea. If it doesn't make sense to you, I'd drop it. Put it in the shredder, baby. Sitting around the table. You know, God you know, is not complicated. I don't know where we thought he was complicated. In fact, Paul warns us to not get away from the simplicity the that's in Christ. Amen. I really appreciate that. That's, that's so special to yeah. be able to sit. If it doesn't make sense, leave it alone. 
people that have a now let me read you a little comment here and pastor on earth. Uh, pastor keith uh, quoted it some this is from brother and hagan a vision that he had in 1988 uh he said uh the there's three angels appeared to him for different reasons and this well, last one a, uh, he was talking together. about, he said, let me see if I can find that. It's coming together around a change is coming in the spiritual realm, service, in the realm in which you minister to Brother Hagen. He's a preacher. Around every word and so forth. And spoken in our hearts. that others minister in the spirit realm that are ministers. Your devotion. And then he goes on to say, not a change so in the church world, for they'll go on with their systems, the their plans, and their division. purposes, and they won't pay any attention to Michael what God says Hall. anyway. But he says there I'm will so arise an army young man in the last days that will walk in the Spirit, men and women equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll learn to walk in the Spirit. The they'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. The call of God upon and this, last, this next and word, the angels will come and minister unto them. I've had angels minister to me before. And the angels will come and minister Seminary. with them. Seminary. See, I've had angels minister with, with me for many, many years now, since 1980 at least, when, where I knew they were there and a lot of things like that. We'll talk more about that as we get into this. So many but I wanted to say co another comment or two, and then we're going to get into the in. other things here. Brother Hagen thinking, says, a prophet is one who has like visions and revelations. I don't Do know I if you knew that. And... Of course, but anybody could goes, have a vision of God, but you need to put it up against the Bible to make sure it's scriptural. It's not some weird Everybody imagination that somebody's into. And listen, you don't have to, you know, you it's not Jesus that people are more spiritual that have those things. It's Thank just whatever God deems necessary to give you. Are you listening to me? I know and you personally, pray, you know, when you I turned 60, when Lord, I hit the ground in Indiana and I, when I look at the timeline, you was praying about starting the church on the rock. He already knew what I was thinking, but he said, why? And I said, okay, I'll tell you why, because I took a stand God on your word now since God only knows 50 years ago, and I've been persecuted out so the you, wazoo so you know, for that. So you know, you and now you want me to get in front of people that I don't even know and tell about these most you intimate moments with you, harvest. holy moments, I call it. And, his and that's a lot to ask of me, Father. And then pastoring Church on the Rock and teaching us so excellent. You really time that? Yes, I really told him that. What's wrong with you? I'm talking to you. How what I said to him, what he said back to me. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I'm not trying to buck the system, but I pleaded my case because I said this. I said, well, you know, I I had a wife for 48 years that I was in love with, and. I would have never told anybody about any kind of intimacy I had with her. That was private between me and her and the Lord and you. And now you want me to get up and talk about these holy moments with you and the angels, and I don't really want to do that. He said, well, it's either that or else. I said, I'd love to do it. I just told you a minute ago what the deal is. If you're not going to be obedient, then why even try? Because he may ask you to do something you don't like. Now, it's not that I don't like serving God, but he asked me to reveal some of these innermost sacred moments, I call it, with him and the angels. And they were just precious to me. And I, you know, maybe this sounds selfish, but I knew they were helping me and they came to speak to me about different things. But then he said, I want you to share it with the body of Christ because some of them will never have the vision that you've had, Michael. 
and Pastor I want Nancy them to understand there is another world that exists right along with this natural world. You carry that and I've always, always said this for many years, 35 years, it's a highly so regulated world. The spirit world is not like the natural. All right. So and anyway. you are so needed. We settled that, and I said I'd be glad to do it. So let's go. Let's go over here to uh, to Second uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. We'll lay a little foundation here about visions. Shumaron, and of course, you could teach for three years on visions, I Smith guess, or many more. There's just so many different it's kinds of visions. But and there's some others too. In uh, 2 so Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read a few verses here, but first, the man verse first. 1, is it not expedient for we'll me, doubtless, to glory, first. Paul's writing, not I will come to visions already the book and revelations of the, the Lord. So here's Paul talking. He was a prophet. He was an apostle. He so was a teacher. Man, but it says, I will come to visions, plural, and revelations. We the love Lord. the man because he prayed. He so paid all I'm saying is I've had some too, and it's I'm going to share those with you in a minute. You for free? And then he says, I knew a man in they Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to, to the third heaven. So in some of these visions, you know, no, you I was me, though I was outside of my body. And I want y'all to honor the man. And I'll talk more about that as I go, but I wanted you to, to be see here tonight and to that us. sometimes we have visions. And we love you. And, and we receive then revelations. Mind. On the subject I'm Amen. teaching you, so I have revelation on. knowledge because I've studied it so long and the Lord's helped me to see some things that took some time to learn. Are you listening? Okay, let's go to Acts 2 17, minute. Acts 2, verse 17. Meat of the matter here in just a minute. And we're not going to spend a long time tonight teaching, but I got an assignment from God to help you, all of you tonight, if you have something that needs turned in your life. In Acts uh, 2 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. That's not a bad translation, but in the in the Amplified Bible, which is more closer to the Greek than the King King James, it says uh, he would grant divinely granted appearances. Is the way he puts it in the Amplified Bible. Is that right, Angie? Divinely granted appearance. You can't make God show you something. You can't. You know, my precious granddaughter, she was here last night, Natalie. She called up one day, and Grandma took the phone and said, I want to talk to Papa. So said, it's Natalie. She wants to talk to you. That's my granddaughter. She was only, I think, maybe, maybe five or six. She went to a preschool in a Lutheran church. And her mother <laughs> told her that I'd seen angels and that I wrote a book about them. And some people call me the angel man. Well, I'm really not the angel man, but I understand what people say because they didn't know anything. They, they thought because I knew something, I was the angel man. Anyway, so uh, Natalie, I started talking to her, and she's kind of a jabberer, you know. I've got one grandson that just very communicative, which I like. You know, when people aren't communicative, I think they're hiding something from me. But anyway, I said, uh, she said, uh, Papa, I want you to tell me how to see an angel. And I said, well, honey, I can't do that. That would be up to Jesus to give you that right. But you could pray and ask him. 
He may grant you that. I'm not saying he won't. But I can't give you that. I don't have authority to do that. And she listened to me like, just like a real adult. It was just a really meaningful conversation. She was only five or six. So I don't know what it, she said. I, Mommy said you had a book on angels. Can I have one? I said, yeah. Do you read? No, but Mommy's going to read it to me. And so I said to her, well, what's all this intensity that you have about angels right now? Can you just tell me that? Well, I want to pray for my friends at church. The little girlfriend she has, Bella, and there's a couple other, I don't remember, Avery is one of them. And uh, I said, well, honey, all you have to do, could you pray like this? Say, Father, and she repeated that. I asked for the angels over Avery and Bella to protect them today. Amen. Could you do that? Yeah. I said, well, then that's praying for them. But as far as seeing things, I can't give you permission to do that. That'd have to be Jesus. And uh, so she told me, she said she went to school at show and tell, and she told her teacher at the Lutheran preschool that her grandpa sees angels. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, some people call me the angel man. I said, and this was classic. I said, what did your teacher say? I knew what she was going to say. Nothing. Now, I'm not running down to Lutherans, but I don't think the current Lutheran people, I don't think they know, I don't think any denominational people know much about what I'm teaching. And not even Word of Faith people know much about it either. I've been called a heretic by the best of them. So, yeah, I don't think when you don't know nothing, you don't got nothing to say. I know that is a loaded question to give a preschool teacher. Let's go to Acts uh, 27. 26, I mean, 26, I think it's 26, 19. You know, Paul's speaking here. We're still giving a little groundwork for what we're going to talk about tonight. And Paul says to King Agrippa, he was witnessing to him, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, that's Acts 26, 19, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So some of the things that Father has spoken to me about in visionary form was to help the body of Christ. And that's why I'm going to share these things with you, at least a portion of it tonight. And then we're going to, we're going to pray for some things to be done uh, in, that, in that unseen realm. You know, there's an unseen realm that's more real than the realm you're seeing. Hallelujah. Anybody else hot in here? Maybe it's an awning. I don't know, but... Okay, so we have to learn to do that. Now, let me go back when I was a young man. I'm 72 now. So this was, uh, well, let me think here. My mother noticed when I was about two years old that my knees were knocking together on the inside when I would walk. So she took me to Barney's Children's Hospital in Dayton, Ohio. And Dr. Barney was my doctor, and he told my mother, my mother's name is Joyce, he said, Joyce, your son has rickets. He has one of the bad, baddest cases I've ever seen of that, which is a deficiency of vitamin D and some other things. And, uh, you know, my mother was shocked, and they put braces on me that very day. How many saw Forrest Gump? Run, Forrest, run, run, Michael, run. That's, and I have to have those in my office at home with the shoes attached on the bottle and hinged at the knee so I could bend my leg. And I was not allowed to take them off at all unless I took a bath. Other than that, I had them on for about two and a half years. I was a little cripple boy. My mother, my father left when I was born. My mother 
uh, finally remarried a man named Jack Jacobs when I was five. And uh, I'd had those braces on two, about two and a half years. And her and my, my stepfather, Jack Jacobs, uh, you know, he moved, we moved to Springfield, Ohio. And I had my own bedroom. And one night I was awakened. I didn't remember hearing anything, but I just woke up wide awake. And, uh, well, I was trying to think of how big that window was in my bedroom. If you took that and doubled it, that window there, maybe about twice that wide, and about that high, it was just a big window in my bedroom. And when I got up and looked out there, <laughs> there stood this angel. And he kind of looked like the one on the front of this book, except his face was much older than the one I'm talking about. But uh, Sean found that it was a fair game. We could put it on there. And he said, you want to do that? And I said, well, that's awesome because this angel had this same looking staff with him. Over, it went over his head. And he was kind of translucent. I could partially see through him. He was, I don't know how to explain that to you. He was about 12 feet away from me. Well, needless to say, I couldn't talk. And, uh, you know, the Bible says they say fear not. I wasn't afraid, but I was just so taken back by him. So what I did is I went and got my mother. I grabbed her arm in bed and went like that, and she got up and followed me, and I took her by the hand, came back, and she stood in front of the window with me. And she couldn't talk. So we just stood there and looked at him. I can remember in my mind thinking this when I was looking at him. Are you Jesus? Are you an angel? You know, who are you? You know, what do you want? You know, and I was expecting him to say something to me. But, you know, sometimes they don't have to say things to you. They come and bring certain things to you. Because I remember this feeling I had, and there was no sounds, but this is kind of how it felt. There was waves of the anointing coming off of him. I didn't know that word. I'm five years old. But it was like, hmm, 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 hmm. He like vibrated me on the inside. I don't know how to tell you that, but it's like some kind of wave coming out of him, and it would go, hmm, hmm. There was no sound, but it was like he shook me on the inside several times. And I don't know what you would have done. Maybe you got it all figured out, but I didn't, and neither did my mother. And, you know, I'm just telling you, be honest with you, if you see an angel in his natural habitat, I've had angels appear to me as humans, too, one time, two different men. And uh, they came to check on a, uh, an accident that happened. And the, I was with a pastor, and these guys were drunk, and they rolled their truck over several times in this pastor's front yard. We ran out and got them out of the truck. They were bleeding, but they weren't seriously hurt. And all of a sudden, two men showed up in suits. And this pastor lived out of the city limit in the country. And uh, I said, well, who are you? And they said, we're, 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 just, we're ministers. We just stopped by to make sure everything was okay. And the pastor and I, his wife ran back in, called 911. They brought an ambulance, took those guys away. And what was weird is we got in there and sat down in the living room, me and this pastor. And I said, did you hear a car pull up? I didn't. Did you hear a car slam a door when they left? No, I didn't either. wonder who those people were. They said we're ministers. See, the Bible says they're ministers too. They were dressed like humans. They looked like a, just a man, and they, and, but I'm convinced they were. And I, I know other people I know personally. Johnny Simons, he picked up a hitchhiker one time. He began to talk to him about Jesus was coming sooner than you think. 
And he said, drop me off at this exit. So he dropped him off, but he went down the road about a mile and turned around immediately and came back and went off that exit and looked everywhere and couldn't find that guy. He disappeared on him. So sometimes they do appear as a human. They can. But anyway, so my mother and I were standing there for I don't know how long, maybe 10 minutes, maybe not what, 10 minutes, maybe seven or eight. I didn't time and I'm five years old, you know, but I know I couldn't talk. And I knew that this was something divine. That's all I can tell you. Something holy, something precious. It's like I'm standing there looking out that window right now talking about it. But what did happen that I can tell you for a fact, because the doctor, excuse me here, the doctor Barney said, your son's messed up. He's going to go to, he's probably not going to have just braces. He's going to have more impairment as he gets older and probably needs some help and things like that. Well, my mother took me back to Barney's Children's Hospital for a checkup six weeks after the appearance of that angel. And he said, Joyce, you got a miracle. Took my braces off, said, I don't understand it. We didn't do that. And so now either the feeling I'm telling you that I felt like that wave of glory or wave of anointing, and I've had experiences with many of them, angels, and they're not all the same size, they're not all the same intensity. Some of them have a greater anointing than others, just like humans do. But anyway, so I was healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now whether he came through, you know, he don't have to open a door to get to or a window. He could walk right through it. Or whether he touched me and woke me up, but I didn't feel anybody touching me. I just woke up. But that was my first experience with that other realm for the betterment, you know, angels and stuff like that. And then I'm going to tell you about, let's go to the book of Revelation here, chapter 8. Uh, Revelation chapter 8. Let me get over there with you. Revelation chapter 8. And uh, we're just going to look at about three more of these things. And this happened when I was a drug addict, uh, 1971. I'd been a drug addict for three years, and uh, I'd lost 80 pounds shooting speed. That was my drug of choice. Uh, I did about everything that I could do in the drug world and everything else that you want to do. When you're a drug addict, you just become a different person. It wasn't just I was a party person. I was a constant party person selling dope and being crazy. And after three years, I was just uh, really out there. And I went out to California. There's part of our group. There was 13 of us lived on a farmhouse. We were heavily armed. We had a lot of drugs out there. And... We were drug dealers. And so, you know, and it got intense. I mean, the local police, I was eating a pizza with my drug buddy, one of my drug buddies, uh, and uh, he came and sat with us and said, the police, some of the policemen on the force would like to murder you, shoot you down. You better watch what you're doing. He said, I know you're dealing drugs. I, we said, really? He said, yeah, really. So it was intense. But we went to California to get some new contacts with drugs and stuff. But instead of that, I had an experience. We borrowed the guy's fit across the hall. Was le- we were living in a tenement house. Now, you know I'm a lost man back then, 1971. It was a filthy place to live. It's like a bad movie that, you know, guys that wear trench coats and they got shotguns under their coats, kick the door open and just shoot everybody. It was almost that intense being in the 
But we didn't care. We were drug people. We were just messed up. So we copped a fit from the guy across the hall, a needle. And uh, we got some dope, and we were going in the bathroom shooting up one at a time. I think there was five of us, and I was the last one to go in there. I had 55 cockroach bites on one leg. That's how filthy that place was. I counted them one day just for fun. Yeah. So, hallelujah. So I'm ha- I had a dream back in Ohio. Where the farm we lived on was in Ohio, in Fairborn, Ohio, right outside the city limits. And we were all drug dealers and party people and just wild as you could be, you know, kind of people. And uh, I had a nightmare one night. I just woke up. I was freaked out. And I was sitting on a toilet. I wasn't using it, but I was sitting on a toilet, and I was fixing my dope in the dream. I hit myself up, undid my tourniquet, and I saw a roach go up the side of the wall. And I don't know why that freaked me out. Just I was a tough guy back then, but somehow it bothered me. It disturbed me. All I can tell you is I was disturbed by that dream. And six weeks later, I'm in California in the tenement house. I'm the last one to go in the bathroom. Those guys already hit up. It only takes four seconds to get to there to there. So they're in the other room. They're high in there, you know, from the drugs, speed. And I'm the last one to go in. So I'm heating my dope and shot myself up. And there went a cockroach. And all of a sudden, the shower curtain disappeared. My knees were up against the bathtub. It was just a little funky place. And the, cow, the shower curtain disappeared, and I saw a movie, and I was in it. It was a movie about my life. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me. Now, I don't know how, you know, sometimes you know things down here you can't know in your head. I know a lot more down here than I do up here. I hope that makes sense to you. I've endeavored to get myself like that, so don't disturb me. But my point is, back then, I was just as lost as could be and just as crazy. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, Michael, your life's going down the toilet. And I'm watching this film on my own life. And then he said, Michael, go home. Now, I don't know why I knew this intuitively. Uh, First of all, I'd already died back in July of that year, and this is in October, in the farmhouse where we lived. I'm not... I'm not glorifying drugs. I'm just telling my story, okay? I don't want to drag you through all the trash because you couldn't handle it, most of you. And I don't want to be like that. But I was just a wild person. You know, drugs turn you into a different individual. It takes over your life. You're driven. And so he said, Michael, go home. And I, back to the farmhouse, six weeks before, eight weeks before I was in California, I was in the farmhouse, and all of a sudden I realized something's happening to me. I'm freaking out. I've been on drugs for three weeks on a three-week run doing different kinds of drugs. So I called for Gary. That was my best friend at the drug house. And he came up to my bedroom on the farm, and he couldn't find my pulse, and I couldn't find my pulse. And that's a weird thing to lay laying on the floor trying to find your pulse, and it's not there. And, I'm, and I said, Gary, I can't find my pulse. He, and he fell around on me and goes, he left. I thought, what are you running away from me for? 
And I think he went away to think about it a minute, and he's thinking, Michael's going to die, and I'm going to have to call the morgue, and that's going to be a bad deal for all of us out there. So he said, come on, Michael, I'm going to put you in my car. And he took me to his parents' house, of all things, but they were Christians and set me at the kitchen table. I don't know what he was thinking. (laughs) I don't remember anything those parents said. They were good people. They loved God. And then when we went back home, it was late at night. I never forget this because when I got back to my bedroom, excuse me for all this, but I got upset in the office a minute ago. It was 10 till 3 when I looked at the clock, and I, I was laying on the floor. I had a mattress, but I was just laying on the floor. All of a sudden, I came out of my body, and I went up to the ceiling. And I don't know how I knew this, but God just put his hand out and just shoved that spirit back into my body. I came through my mouth and ended up my, back into my... I was looking at my body laying there, and I didn't know where I was going. But God just spared me. Put that, And later after I got saved, after I'd been saved three or four years, he said, do you remember the night at the farm? I said, I sure do. He said, that's why I saved you. I saved you to preach. <laughs> so when, when the Lord spoke to me in that bathroom, and he said, Michael, go home. I knew I wasn't going home to heaven. Uh, I wasn't even sure of heaven right then. And I knew he meant go back to my mom and dad's because I knew I, I couldn't go back around drug people again or I was done. And I went back out in the living room and I, these are my friends. You know, I'd been, I mean, we would defend each other to the death back there, those guys. They were rowdy people like me. And I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. What do you mean, man? And they got mad at me and they cussed me out and said, shut the blankety-blank up, and I said, I'm not going to do it. I said, I, I can't live like this anymore. Do you not understand what I'm saying? I can't live like this. We're eating out of a dumpster. My God, we buried five of our friends the last year, two of them overdosed, three of them shot to death in drug deals. I got to get out of this. <laughs> I don't understand why you don't understand that. I'm sorry to be intense with you, but that's how I felt right then. And they said, you just got some bad dope. I know what bad dope feels like. Don't, don't underestimate me. I've been with you doing bad dope before. But I had an experience in that bathroom, and I'm going home tomorrow. So I left to go home. I got back, you know, and my mom, she said, well, you could live with us. I said, I don't got anywhere else to go, Mom. All my friends are drug addicts and dancers at clubs and people like that. I was just a wild person. I need a place to be able to sleep, and I need, I need to get my life together, for God's sake. She said, well, you can stay here. You, and she gave me all the rules. And she was a rule person. And you didn't cross those rules with her. Yeah. So let's read here in Revelation chapter 8. I think this will explain what I'm trying to say a little better. In verse 2, I saw the seven angels which stood before God... And to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer. 
and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. Now this is the picture. There's prayers coming up from the earth from the saints to the throne. This angel's got a censer. He puts fire from off the heavenly altar in that censer thing and then throws it back into the earth. And then it tells us what the manifestations are. Voices. That's it right there. I was in the bathroom and a voice spoke to me. And somehow intuitively, I don't know, it just, I guess God was just merciful to me. To know it was him talking. And I mean, when I went out in that living room, those guys were ready to, we're going to shut you up if you don't shut up because I was ruining their high. <laughs> and, I, and back then I said, if you all want to bring it, I'll fight all of you. I, but I, told, I started crying like a baby in front of them. I said, I just can't live like this anymore. I'm done. I'm, I'm just done. I can't function in this life anymore. And thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. I've been in one situation where God rattled a Jeep I was in with two other preachers one time, shook it. It's just an amazing situation, but that, I'm not here to talk about that either. But voices, and that's the main thing. I heard this voice. I knew it was Jesus talking to me. I don't know how I knew it was him. You think about the mercy of God. I'm a drug addict, and I'd sold drugs to a lot of people. And... Uh, I tell you, God was merciful to me. And out of all the, all the weirdness I did, you know, I had a preacher come to my church one time and preached about you've got to make restitution. And I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? <laughs> and the Lord brought one man to my mind. You remember when you threatened his life, you and Gary, you threatened him on the corner? If you don't shut up, we're going to put a contract on you. And he said, you call that man and apologize to him tonight. Now, this is later after I was in the ministry. <laughs> I thought of all the people. So I called him. I got a hold of him. His, his name was Gary Dehart. And I said, is this Gary Dehart? Yeah. I said, this is Michael Jacobs. I said, do you remember? And he goes, you mean at the corner of the curb when you and Gary talked to me? <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm sorry. I was crazy back then. And I shouldn't have done that to you. And I know I was serious about it at the moment, but I'm so ashamed that I intimidated you like that, me and the other guy. He said, that's all right, I forgive you. I said, he said, I, I heard you're in the ministry now. I said, yeah. He said, you got a minute? I said, yeah. And he said, me and his wife, I won't mention her name, but we're having some problems. Can I talk to you about it? I said, sure. So I began to counsel him a little bit about how he could get that turned around. And he's called me several times. He called me just in the last year and checked in with me. He lives in Florida. All right. So you see these, and my mother, at that time in her life, she was a wonderful intercessor when I was a drug addict. And she would tell, and she went to Baptist, First Baptist Church. So I'm not going to make fun of that. And, and several of the older ladies and a couple of the men she would turn my name into them. You know, Michael's going to kill somebody or get killed if he doesn't get out of that drug, drug addict lifestyle. He's just so out there. And these people prayed for me. And my, my mom turned 80. That, she went home at 87, I think. Uh, they had a party for her up at the church, fellowship hall. I was living where I live now in Indiana, and we drove up, my wife and I. And these older people that had prayed for me were all there, and I just wept. 
that's very special. And even Baptists can get a hold of God. <laughs> I don't know about tongues, but they were, they were intercessors. I'm just being honest. I was so thankful. Several of those men and several ladies, I just hugged them and thanked them over and over again. So that's, you know, and somebody said sometimes, you know, Dr. Dufresne said, sometimes you look back on people's lives, it's so unusual. Like, I remember Oral Roberts, he was dying. He had uh, something wrong with his lungs, spitting up blood and stuff, and how God healed him. And Lester Summerall, God showed him a casket and a Bible, you choose. And some of that. And in my life, I was just a burnout drug addict. And anyway, I came back home. I didn't tell the rest of this, so I came back home from California. And, you know, I started going back to church with my mother because I didn't know anything else to do. And uh, I kind of liked this girl. I thought I liked her. She was one of the girls of the parents in that group from First Baptist, and they knew all about me because they'd been praying for me. And they didn't trust me as far as they could spit with their daughter (laughs) because I was not used to dating a girl at all like that. If you could get my drift. I would get girls that dance and all that, and just wild girls not proud of that either, but you know, you do a lot of things when you get saved, you're ashamed of. And God forgives us for all that if we'll repent. <laughs> but anyway, this girl, her parents said, you can't go anywhere with her except church. You might take her and get a hamburger, and you better not be in our home when we come home alone with our daughter. I said, I understand. So I went to a youth meeting with her, and it was in December 1971. And the guy was preaching. I couldn't tell you a word he said. Uh, I mean, I was trying to pay attention, but, you know, I've been a drug addict for three years. And I don't know if you knew this about me, but my mind was so overwhelmed with drugs that when I first got married, and I didn't marry that girl, but anyway, when I did get married, I couldn't remember anything. It was just like, I don't know, I short-circuited out part of my brain. And God healed me of all that, too, later. But anyway, you know. So anyway, I'm sitting in that service, and he said, everybody bow your head. So I bowed my head out of respect, and he said, I want you to ask God if you know him. And, you know, I went to church when I was a kid because when I got healed, God, my mother said, if you'll heal my boy, I'll, I'll raise him in church. And she kept her word and raised me in church. And so uh, <laughs> I bowed my head, and I said, do I know you, Lord? And he said, no, you just know about me because your mom made you go to church. But if you'll come forward tonight... I'll put your life back together. And I was so thankful. And I got up and walked the aisle just like all the kids, 13, 14, 15. It was a youth group. And some of them were 18 and 19, but I was the oldest. I was 21. I gave my life to Jesus. Yeah. I just told my mom two or three days before I went to that meeting, I said, Mom, I've tried everything 15 times. I can't find any satisfaction with any girl I can't find any satisfaction with any dope and I've done it all and I didn't do just a little bit I did all I could of it and I'm just I don't know what to do with my life I'm frustrated I know you ever been frustrated okay I'm just about done trying to just share my heart with you here I think I got two more visions to talk to you about and then I, I went, I got saved in de, uh, December 71. And by the way, the girl that I went to church with, 
for the youth meeting. I went to go to her house. I don't know, we were going to go get a hamburger or something. And she came to the door and she said, come on in. And then she handed me a new Bible, a Cambridge Bible. She bought me a Bible and said, get out of my life. Don't call me. I don't want to date you. <laughs> Smart girl. Because, you know, in the natural, I was not too sanctified. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I love God, but, you know, when you let your flesh run wild, and you don't have to be a drug addict to do that. Our, our universities have proven that. They're just wild in education. And even the preachers don't know much. They just preach what they know in their head, but they're head preachers, not heart preachers sometimes. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying what I know. And, uh, all right. So anyway, uh, I met my wife, uh, I got saved in December 71 and the next uh, May, uh, I went to a party and she was there and I, I met her there and stuff. And so it was just wildness sometimes in my life. You know, I asked her out for the next night, can I, going to take you out? We were at this party and I took her home that night and I said, I'd like a kid to go. I come get you tomorrow night. Well, let's go, let's go get her at seven. And the police came to my apartment. <laughs> now I'm saved, but just barely. <laughs> and uh, they found where I lived, and they knocked on the door. Two policemen. They said, "Are you Michael Jacobs? Aren't you?" Yes. Well, you need to come with us. We're going to take you into protective custody. And I said, "For what?" And they named this girl, which I knew, and, and she told her father that me and another man sold her some heroin, and I never sold heroin, and only did heroin one time, and that was the end of that. It's just too intense. It just made me sick, sick, sick. And I said, well, I didn't sell her any heroin. I know, but you've been a drug person, haven't you? Yes, I have. Well, you're coming under custody because her dad's out looking for you. He's got a shotgun in the truck, and if he finds you or the other guy he mentioned, he's going to shoot you dead on the street. So I said, I'll come with you. <laughs> so they took me to the police station, didn't lock me up, but kept me there until they found him. And it was all just a lie. I don't know why she told her dad that I did that, because I surely didn't do that. And anyway, that, and then I ended up two or three hours late to pick up my soon-to-be wife, you know. And I didn't tell her parents where I'd been. I said, the police station. <laughs> all right. I don't know how edifying this is to you, but it's just that was my life back then, B.C., before Christ. All right, so anyway, eventually I went in the ministry in 1976, Diana and I, my wife. Um, and uh, anyway, praise God. And so this was 1983. I pastored a uh, church in in Louisville when I was still in seminary for about 10 months, and that's a whole other story I don't have time to tell you. And then I went into teaching ministry and traveled from 83 to 85. So this was in 1983. A pastor friend of mine asked me to come, and he knew I'd studied on angels. In 83, I'd been studying on them for three years at that point. And it seemed like back then, you know, I thought I knew a little, but my gosh, I, I didn't know hardly anything about them. But anyway, I was there for three nights, and so when I got there that night I said you have a place I could go pray real quick just by myself maybe yeah go downstairs in the radio room it's soundproof you can go in there and you can shout and scream pray whatever you want to do so I went in there they had a little desk and a chair and I knelt down on my knees by that chair 
and I was praying for the meeting. Father, help me to feed these people. Help me to minister to them. You know, you got to understand that's a long way back for me, but I said, I'm asking for your help, Father. And just all of a sudden, I had no premonition this was going to happen. I came out of my body. And I went somewhere else. And so I looked back real quick when I came out, and there I was. My body was in that position on my knees. And one angel had this arm, the other angel had this arm. I didn't understand it at the time. I later asked God about it, and he said, Well, you know, the spirit without the, the body without the spirit, you're dead. I have to have these angels keep you alive while I'm dealing with you. So I came out of my this little closet of a room, it was a radio room, and ended up in a place about I'm looking at this sanctuary. If you doubled the sanctuary back and maybe over one time, it's a huge room and there was thousands of angels there. I didn't try to count them. I was in shock. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up in the vision still on my knees. And the one angel spoke to me. And it, it, pretend I'm there looking at him and all the other angels are behind him. And he said, Michael, he called me by my first name. They always do. Michael, we're so excited. He went like this. We are so excited you're teaching about us, for we've desired to be involved with the body of Christ, and they won't let us. And then all of a sudden, shoosh, I came back out of that setting and went right back in through my mouth, into my body, and just like you put on a glove, and now I'm back in my flesh again. Did you tell the people that night what you saw? Heavens, no. You see stuff like that, you might be smarter than me and more spiritual, but man, I was, that was quite a deal. And all I knew was I felt grieved, even though I'd had that remarkable vision, is that I saw these incredibly powerful creatures, all of them angels, all different sizes, different builds, different levels of anointing. That's what I'd call it today because I know much more about the anointing than I did back then. And they were eager to help us. And those last four words kind of just stayed in my consciousness for four months. They won't let us. See, I don't think you realize what I'm saying yet. I'm going to explain it further. You have a part in this. God's not in charge of the angels doing everything. You are. And the angel said to me out of his own mouth, they won't let us. They won't let us help them. Maybe you don't know how. Well, I'm going to teach you tonight a little bit. You've got to talk right. And you need to speak to the angels as they're over you. Yeah. So I thought about that. And even today when I repeat that, I'm, they're here listening to me. They're excited I'm teaching about them again. Man, they have so helped me in my life. But I thought about those last four words, and about four months later, I had a little revelation, and I, this is what I said. I must have authority I didn't know I had. So that's why I put in my angel book and my deliverance book, the authority of the believer, because I could teach you everything I know about angels, but if you don't know you have authority, it ain't going to do you any good. You're going to have to take authority with yourself and responsibility to speak right and release them to help you. What would I say? How about this? Father, I thank you tonight for the angels that have charge over me to keep me and my family safe and protected, free from all injury, harm, or destruction. How about that? 
The Lord is my refuge, my fortress. And the angels are helping me. Deliver me from every evil work. Every plague and all that. Hallelujah. So and I think about that. See that vision of 83. What I just knew after I had that vision that they were going to be a main part of my life in the ministry. And I'd like to tell you I did it right all along, but I didn't. Sometimes I didn't. I had to learn how to do things, and sometimes I was frustrated. I'm going to tell you one last vision here tonight, and then I'm going to, we're going to minister. Uh, and if you have something that needs turned around, but I'm going to tell off on myself first. Uh, let's see, I began that church that my son pastors now in 1985 in April. And in 1987, I was just very, very depressed. I was very uh, messed up in my mind. I just, I don't know, I just went through something, uh, pressure. And you know, I don't know if you understand this or not, but when you're a pastor and you start church from scratch, it's a whole other animal than when you inherit something that's been given to you. You know, my son, I tell him that, you know, you know, I laid on the birthing table to give birth to this, but I'm giving you this. It's already put together. All you got to do is step in and do your part. And it seemed like every devil in hell attacked me for two years because I was. And then the Lord told me later, he said, you're not even my first pick, but you're tough enough to deal with things. That's what he told me. I said, well, I try to be tough, but he said, I'm the devil. And so anyway, but by the time two years went, I was just, I was frayed around the edges. I don't know if you understand that comment. I'd like to tell you I've always had victory and talked victory, but right then I was just confused. And these two angels came to the office where I worked. And they came in and uh, one did the talk and the other one's just quiet, but he stood there. And I was not on dope and I was not on alcohol. I didn't do stuff like that. I'm in the ministry. And... uh I asked the one that was doing the talking a couple questions to make sure I wasn't having some kind of delirious vision of something. And he answered me to my satisfaction that it was a real angel sent by God. And he said, we've been sent from God to help you turn this around. Now listen to me. But because of your knowledge that's required of you to speak to us, not just God sends us, you have to speak because you know better. And I said, well, I'm not going to do it. And they left. So I got in my car to go home and got on the freeway, and they appeared in the car with me. The one doing the talking was in the passenger seat. The one that was quiet was in the back seat. He turned to me with his face, and he said, I've already told you this, Michael, once. I'm going to tell you again. You're going to have to speak to us if you want this fulfilled because you have responsibility. You know what you're doing. Most people don't. So God said to put you at the place here. You're going to have to say something. So, you know, I said, fine, in Jesus' name, I release you to fulfill what God told you to do. I know what my problem is somewhat, so change it. And within 24 hours, he turned that whole situation around. (laughs) Which brings me to the climax of this sermon. (laughs) The Lord said to me, I was praying, you know, after I realized I'm not going to preach the wrong message. And he said, talk about this. He said, I want you to break it down in two compartments. Uh, he said, tell the people that want something turned, 
in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but if you know you need something turned in your life, you don't have to tell me, but you know what it is, and God knows what it is too, that you want it turned, we're going to release angels to help that turn for you. It might be a myriad of things in your life. Could be one thing, could be ten things. I don't know everybody here that well to judge you, and I'm not trying to judge you. I'm just saying that once I release the words out of my mouth, see, the, the, the thing was, what does it say in Amos 3.3? 3? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? See, God licensed them to come help me, but they needed my cooperation. And what did the angel say of 83, the one that spoke to me? Do you remember that? We've desired to be involved in the body of Christ, and they won't let us. So then it means that people don't talk right, and you restrict the angels. Let me share one more final thought with you before we do this. It's in 1 Corinthians 6, I think, where it says you'll judge angels. And the Lord asked me a profound question. I was in Evansville, Indiana, the pastor's church. I was staying at a hotel. I was sitting on a couch in that hotel, uh, my, my room. And the Lord asked me a question. When he asked me a question, I know he's trying to teach me something. I've learned his ways with me. And he said, Michael, are you going to have any more authority, spiritual authority, when you get out of your body than you have right now? And I said, uh, no. Then you could judge the angels right now, and furthermore, you are. He said, do you remember when you were a kid in trouble all the time, went before a judge? Yes, sir. And what did the judge, what did he have? I said he had a desk elevated in the room, so he was in charge, and he had a gavel. And he was responsible either to release me or confine me. He said, exactly, and you are doing the same thing every day by your words with the angels. You're releasing them or you're restricting them. When you say you can't ever get a good job, you couldn't learn anything, oh my God, I can't believe you talked like that if you ever did. How am I ever going to get over this? You're not talking like that. I don't care what it is. It could be a minor thing, but you say, I can't never going to get over this. That's a pretty small God you're thinking about. But you're restricting the power of God from working and the angels to help you. Primary job of them, is one of the things is they protect us. They protect us from all the weirdness in the earth. <laughs> and there's plenty of it. Yeah. So anyway, the Lord said to tell you tonight, angels are going to go turn things around for you. And you know, if I'd refused to talk that day, it would have just left me undone. I may be, I don't know. I could have had a nervous breakdown another month or two. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to hype anything. Or I, I hate that about preachers. I'm not trying to evangelistically stretch that out to say something I'm not saying. But I was depressed. I've been under pressure. My whole ministry's been under pressure, to be honest about it. How about the last three years I buried two of my family members? My son went through a divorce. COVID hit. Different things. You know, I'm just talking. I'm not bragging. I'm no hero. I'm just a man that tried to do what God told him to do. But man, it seemed like the devil's throwing everything at me for three years. But I just kept on. I just kept on and kept on and kept on. 
And I know this, I buried a lot of people, but it's different when you bury your mate. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She was my friend, my lover, my companion. But I just got to move on. Got to move on. I thought about going home. You know, when, I, when she left, and the Lord reminded me, you told me, Michael, when you were 38 years old, you would stay in the earth and fulfill my will for your life. I'm holding you to that. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, that settled it just like that. He just brought up something that I had said to him back, well, 38, I'm 72, however many years that's been. And he said, you're not near done. I said, okay, here we go. You know, you just have to get tough on yourself sometimes. <laughs> I have feelings just like everybody else. I just don't let them run me run my life. So I hope I've made sense out of this.